Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed is a weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places a dive, and scuba news. Scuba Obsessed episode 194 is recorded live March 20th, 2014. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed from the land of wooden shipwrecks in Michigan. I'm Darren Jilson. Joining me this week, we have Mac, the dive mentor. How are you doing today, Mac? I'm doing very well. I'm almost warming up. Almost? Almost. <laughs> it's still chilly out there. It, it still is a little chilly. And also joining us this week, we have Jim Schultz. How are you doing today, Jim? I'm doing great. i got to dive in today. Dive in on the first day of spring. Now, how did you work that one out? Well, I uh, got a call from the Maritime Museum that they wanted someone to come up and help out with the salvage attempt they were doing on the bomb, the tugboat that sank at the museum's dock. So I came up and worked with the salvage company and did a little inspection for them and a couple odd jobs they needed done in the water. And so I got a chance to be the first person to dive the shipwreck, the William Bomb. And if you want to hear more about that, you're going to have to hang on to a little bit later in the show, and I'm sure Jim's going to fill us in. Sure. I'd like to thank everybody who showed up in the chat room this week. We have quite a few. We have, uh, let's see, who do we have? We have Roger, we have Jared, St. Louis Sam, and uh, who, who else? Rodney, all showing up in the chat room, plus a, a guest number eight. So let's go ahead and jump right on into the news. First article up is a little bit of a follow-up, a kind of a sad story. If you remember, you've been following any of the diving news back around, <clears throat> it was actually Christmas Day. They had two divers who uh, perished in Florida. They were doing cave diving. And the results have finally come back is what they, they died from, and they died from running out of oxygen, which uh, means they drowned. Sheriff's investigators said that the pair had died accidentally after diving to 233 feet using just plain old air in their tanks. Uh, they had a rescue diver, Eric, uh, was it Deister? Says the men should have been using a trimix combination for the breathing instead of just air. He said they shouldn't have gone deeper than 218 feet due to possible toxic effects. Investigators say neither of the divers were certified divers. So th- that's kind of certified. Yeah. Well, I thought the story was originally that the father of the pair was a certified diver, but just not certified cave diver. So I don't know if that's what they mean. Mm. But I thought it was kind of puzzling that the that the the one diver was saying they shouldn't have gone deep than 218 feet. They they shouldn't even gotten in the water. Yeah, if not certified, no. But long, much deeper than the 130 sport limit. Yeah. That, and that's what kind of st- struck me odd about the articles, the fact that they were giving such a specific depth. So I have an idea that was taken a little bit out of context and the reporter didn't know how to write it up, what they would say. Because if, you know, from your tech training, Jim, is that the depth that... Uh, well, well, you reach, basically, oxtox happens right around 200 feet with the PPO2, the pressures, etc. It can start getting toxic or cause central nervous system problems, depending on the individual, but, you know... The math says about 200 feet. 
So, you know, 220 is where you really push the limit, and anything deeper than that, you're asking for trouble on air. Next up is we have the an island nation has banned all commercial fishing. Uh, the Micronesia country of Palo is in uh, which encompasses about 250 islands. Which, if you just visualize France, that's how big they are. They've they've made their whole country a marine sanctuary. Uh, and they're doing this because they consider the ecology and diving as a main driver of their economy. So what they're hoping to do is uh, make up for lost revenue they're going to lose by the commercial fishing in the tourism trade. I uh, hear they only have one boat, though. Yeah, you think that one boat's going to do really good in that 200-mile <laughs> <laughs> area? <laughs> uh, did you say corner the market? <laughs> wow. So, so just picture France again, and you've got one boat. <laughs> yeah, that, that's unbelievable. So is this just a symbolic banning is that how are they going to enforce this which I, I think the answer is they can't well, i'm sure the navy could come out there and do something for them somebody's navy <laughs> wow now we've got a uh, if you if you don't want to get wet which i don't know why you wouldn't the world of diving has just opened up as a virtual reality uh scuba diving simulator it's a game or a piece of software called world of diving it has not yet been released, but there's some talks, uh, people who've, who are initially playing around with the game. It's going to be released. It's going to be a premium game, but once you've purchased the game, you're going to be able to dive with your friends online, and there's no monthly fee. Say up to 16 people can dive together. Uh, we'll work on the standard PC and also is going to work on the Oculus Rift, which is a uh, heads-up display if you're into that sort of thing. But now, Mac, if you happen to take a look at the photos... Yeah, some like Hallelujah behind you. Yeah, it does look like Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But, but if you go to the next photo below, I could enjoy watching that. <laughs> so I, I, I think they've. Uh, do BCs fit that way? <laughs> I have Works not been, for me. I have not been diving with anybody who the. That's how the BC fit. Oh, and then we're leaving. I, I like it. It's fine. Yeah, you say it, it fits okay. Uh, I've been neglectful here. I go paste that in the chat room so you can follow along. Uh, and you can let us know what you think. But, uh, yeah, let's just say she was drawn pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I the, think I'd rather go diving, though, with the real thing. Yeah, they're, they're saying they, they're stressing that the game isn't a simulation, but there are a few concessions to the real-world act of diving. In-game, you use hand gestures to communicate with other divers. You inflate or deflate your buoyancy control vest to move up or down in the water, which is exactly what you don't do. <laughs> Isn't that an elevator button? Well, it will work that way. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> yeah, that, that, uh, that's I wonder is how the mechanics of the BC are going to work. I don't know if that would make a game fun or not, but uh, so you're going to be able to explore. And, and like you point out, Mac, that looks like they've got some uh, real-life underwater structures that people might recognize yeah, yeah. no no details on pricing but i'm going to expect that if they're pricing it like a typical game you're probably in the 50 to 60 dollar range more than what i'd be willing to spend to not get wet yeah and then the but university the of looks, delaware what go ahead i was gonna say the company looks nice there though yeah it's if you can't get real friends play with some virtual ones yeah mm, and, dive partners yeah mac you're mac you're going to be replaced <laughs> uh, now now, if they can get some augmented reality where we could, like, superimpose these simulations on our dive buddies, now there's something. This is off the topic, though. <laughs> but 
<laughs> you know how you're into the 3D now, right? Yeah. All right. Have you seen one of the programs that Playboy was going to be putting out? No, no, I'm. I you haven't. put a suit on with the sensors on all parts of your body, including your fingers and parts of your anatomy, and you interface with a another individual who's also wearing a similar body suit. And the pictorials that you would have, meaning like we just saw here, or just sounds like the suit will need constant washing. Yeah, that's. Uh... I, I don't know, but uh, they were really talking about it, and they gave a demonstration of it. And if you talk about uh, playing on your computer a lot, you, you'd wind up probably living on your computer a lot. Wow. It was, you know, it was freaking amazing what it was like. Well, I could justify that for somebody would be if you're in a rocket ship by yourself and you're you're going to Mars, then maybe there's a, there's an a, an option for that. But yeah, I'm. Maybe maybe I'm just talking old. That does. They expect to be making lots of money whenever they get ready to roll it out. You know, and they probably will. Well, yeah, because the applications it's not just for that type of episode, but it does enhance other aspects. Yeah. I mean, I, that's probably the most interesting one I yeah. thought about. But well, I mean, if you got people who are buying vinyl sheep, I mean, this this should work right well with that. Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> It's interesting, though. It's going to be, I mean, 20 years from now, that will probably be the norm. Yeah. yeah. Or the kid to put those suits on and you get out there like now you got your Wii for playing games and stuff. Oh, well, you know, tactile feedback for gaming is, is going to be big right there. I mean, right now your joysticks, joysticks, no pun intended, uh, will vibrate. Game controller, nope, I guess, no is a technical term. Again? Yes. <laughs> and, and they provide. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't even know if we can. What's, what's our rating? It just went down. <laughs> I think I lost a few IQ points as well. But the University of Delaware, they recovered their underwater robot. This happened on March 2020th. The, the seafaring robot was uh, lost uh, while doing an underwater survey. And uh, they got to test some of their search and recovery prowess using another underwater vehicle, and they were able to locate the missing, I don't know, do they, they show a picture of it? I'm picturing something that's kind of like a, a torpedo. Uh, but they said that it had wedged into a limestone outcropping, which wasn't on the map. <laughs> they said, especially when you're in uncharted areas, you never know exactly what you're going to run into. They said it's an operational hazard. This according to Hunter Brown, CEOE's Advanced Underwater Systems Manager. Brown and Matt Oliver, assistant professors of oceanography at the School of Marine Sciences and Policies, were testing the AUV off Little Cayman in January for use in new studies, a broad program in coral reefs and scientific diving. Undergraduates helped assemble the underwater robots, attended lectures on technology, and conducted dives that complemented scientific sampling done by the AUV. Looks like it was a torpedo or, you know, maybe the diameter of a, a scooter but just longer. Yeah. The team suspected the mission plan accidentally sent the AUV over a steep drop off the coral reef and down a limestone wall. The charts they had for the missing planning were out of date, and the drop-off was not precisely indicated, Brown said. The AUV may have tried to turn around, but instead got stuck in the wall, 
Surging water pushed it into a small cavity. Later in the day, they used an acoustic modem to make contact with the AUV, which broadcast signals before the battery eventually died. Is that kind of like a uh, a fly in a spider's web? It kind of zzz, zzz, zzz. Uh, messages indicate that they were close, and they were able to estimate a depth of 550 feet, nearly 500 feet deeper than it was supposed to be. For reference, recreational scuba divers, there, as according to the article, are saying are about 130 feet, and technical go rarely go past 250. Brown had already alerted colleagues back on the campus to start a mobilized to bring another robot. They said the robot was part of a fleet of six underwater vehicles. It was really a team effort all the way around. Now, how did they get it out? Do they say here? They uh, plucked it and brought it to the surface with the video. The video that was in there showed it. Wow. They just picked it up and pulled it up to the surface, and they must have plucked it off the surface with the boat. I wonder if there's something within the device that it goes positively buoyant uh, when the battery dies. You know, do they have? They could probably have like a little lip bag that would fill up after so much time. That would be smart. Yeah, or you could even have like a water fuse that would, uh, with moisture over time, eventually trigger. So good job for that. A little bit better than the one that we saw in Japan, where they they never did quite recover it. You know, should should we go? Can we go on a tangent? That, that Japan, no, never. That, we never go on no, tangents. We never go on a tangent. Now, that Japan robot, see, now that we've got the plane that has been taken and disappeared, maybe that underwater robot, the same thing happened to it. Maybe there's a James Bond-esque villain who's collecting all these objects. First he goes for the submarine kind of as a test, and now he's going for the big jetliner. Pretty soon we're going to have a, a rocket that's going to go to the space station that'll take. Uh, the silence is deafening. Well, you know, I, I still haven't ruled out aliens. Stanford professor looks underwater for history of the Roman Empire. This is Justin uh, Lin Wanger. has spent a lot of time underwater. He's an assistant professor of classics and maritime archaeologist. Hey, Jim, there's... There he goes. There we go. Yeah. That's what we I'll need. Send him an email. Yeah. His research entails what it sounds like it would be exploring artifacts that lie under the sea. He says it's a privilege to look at ancient history. There's a lot of theoretical work and marine economy of the Roman Empire, but I'm interested in close details of sea travel and how archaeology finds can shed light in the history and the consumption and connectivity around the Mediterranean. Well, we're not quite the Mediterranean, but he said the Roman Empire was the most complex state structure at its time with a lot of movement of goods and people through the landscape. I am interested in how these structures and social networks changed over the life of the Roman Empire. He is currently engaged in two projects, the Marmezzamini Marine Heritage Project in Sicily and the Burgaz Harbors Project in Turkey. Sicily was a nexus of communication and commerce between the eastern and western Roman Mediterranean. The shipwrecks there, we are finding evidence of changing pattern of commerce when the capital moved from Rome to Constantinople in the 4th century A.D. In Turkey, archaeologists are currently excavating four shallow water harbors to get a picture of what the harbor structures were like. In the 4th century B.C., during the late classical period, Burgas became a regional international economic center for export of agricultural goods. We are finding evidence of how these integral structures changed over time. Well, Max Rec isn't quite that old, but at least we don't have any salt for him to deal with. Yeah, he he'd be, he could bring his gear to rinse out. Right, rinse your gear out. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the uh, pure Michigan ad we should be running? <laughs> no salt. Yeah. All the wrecks and no salt. For your lo- low salt diet. Salt belongs on margaritas, not That's, on scuba gear. There you go. Dive Michigan. 
He is currently creating a 3D topographic map of the site and the seabed. Excavating underwater sites and collecting data in the field allowed me to relate classroom discussions of theories and archaeological best practices to real-world applications. He says, legal jurisdictions, particularly underwater, aren't always well-defined in heritage and preservation, therefore become key issues. The sovereignty over sites and excavated materials can be unclear, and there's some opportunists around. He says, for me, it's about establishing and maintaining cultural heritage so that we can better understand history. It's about the social networks and human relationships with objects and places, relationships that are as important today as they were in the past. Sounds like fun. Kind of like an underwater Indiana Jones. Yeah, but, you know, all those ancient artifacts, I'd rather study something a little more relevant. Something where you may have actually had a a relative who saw that? Like a ship from the... Like a ship from the 1800s. Yeah, you got you got to give him a challenge. Well, let's go ahead and this one is uh, I I put it under our category of photos, underwater photos. In the article, is talking about the most dangerous underwater caves. Uh, this is the Yucatan Cenotes network of flooded caves in southeast Mexico. This is interesting. Since 1980, only 2,400 of the estimated 6,000 cenotes in the peninsula have been mapped by divers. Now look at that one, about the fourth photo down. It almost looks like a tree root, doesn't it? Coming right out. When the diver says, uh, Lisa oh, Collins, yeah. says it feels as if you're in outer space when you're in the caves. There's no sense of being in water because there's no currents in the sea or on lakes. You can feel the water moving around you, but in the cave, it's completely still. Hmm. Look at that visibility. It's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Those cave divers. There's one diver in there has got a single tank, some with doubles says you have to make sure you don't panic when you're cave diving. You can lose track of the direction, which is up and down. So it's very disorienting. That's a Chekhook mole. They have signs down there that warn divers and that relics are left behind to honor the dead. To get into Chekhook mole, you have to squeeze through a very tight gap. The mouth of other caves branch off, but some of these mouths have had ropes across the entrances, and one is a warning sign, which is the grim reaper for cave divers. They also talk about the sulfur clouds that some of the cave has to build up a sulfur and hydrogen that separates fresh water in the upper part of the cave from the salt water below. You have to pass through the sulfur cloud to explore the rest of the cave, said Mrs. Collins. Very cool. Next time mm. I'm in Mexico, I'm going to have to get in and do some of those. I wonder what the sulfur does to the soup. Uh, you probably Makes want to smell. Yeah, you probably want to rinse it off. You rinse, on, rinse it off on the way up, huh? Yeah, you maybe you could. <laughs> I mean, doesn't the depth, does it? They didn't here, but you've got all sorts of depths there in Mexico. Uh, you got a lot of shallow ones. I know that uh, around the uh, Playa de Carmen area that uh, you have somewhere you don't even, I mean, you're, you're uh, just floating along the surface. You know, there's very few spots in some of them where there's overhead obstruction, so it's a, they can be fairly safe. Of course, get proper training and make sure that you're going with the reputable dive operators. How about this video? Uh, this is this video has gone viral, just uh, taken about a week ago, and posted on the internet over a million views. And it shows a diver who is. Uh, in, in, did either of you get a chance to look at the video yet? Nope, no. bringing it up now. Okay. So what uh, for those of you at home who haven't had a chance to look at the link? What he is doing is he has uh, one of these poles, and there's like three barbs in the end, and he's going after lionfish. So he's down there poking in lionfish, and then all of a sudden he is, I can't tell if he was attacked or bumped into by the shark. 
but if you've ever had a bee that hit you in the forehead and you swatted it off and it kept coming at you, that's what the shark did. <clears throat> so I'll let you get to that point. And luckily for you who are listening to the podcast at home, we, we edit out all the air, dead airspace. So that was actually about 12 minutes of, of the time that's elapsed. Shark attack, Caribbean Ocean, 313.14. That's a week ago. And it, that video was taken with a GoPro. Who is not a sponsor? They should be. They should be. <clears throat> Which shark attack are we looking at? I see one for Australia. The one in the links. Mine didn't come up then. <laughs> well, I sent you the link. That's what the link's for. Do, you, do I need to send you it to you in Skype? Hang on. I'm going to look in Skype because that's... I mean, I've got it here in in, in Brazil. I've got one on no, it's New just, Jersey. There's only one. Yeah. It's, there's only one video in the article. All I can say is I put it in, and this is what I'm getting. Oh goodness! It's USA Today. Oh. USA That's Today's a neat goodie bag he's got. Yeah, the video is three minutes and twenty six seconds long. Uh, it's really only about a minute of the the video. You can skip the part where he's above water. Yeah, you can see him pulling in the line fish, getting ready to drop it in, and the shark comes by and bumps him, and then just keeps circling back, circling back. Hard to say how big the shark is. I he's fairly decent size. I'm going to say he's yeah, about I'm, three three and a half feet. I was going to say, yeah, four somewhere in there. I mean, I'm trying yeah. to get a measurement when he comes by the guy because it's distance is hard to say. Well, and, and if you notice the way that he's yeah. he's stabbing at it, he's having a mm-hmm. hard time with his own depth perception. Yeah, because he's and he's probably getting a little bit of adrenaline rush as he's swimming up. And I, you got to give him credit; he didn't necessarily panic. And I'm trying; I couldn't quite read the gauge, but it did look like he stopped. He did a safety stop. Yeah, thirty-six feet. Yep, and he keeps an eye on it. But I'm just surprised at how persistent that shark was. Yeah, and I and I couldn't figure out was that shark going after. The lionfish that he had? Well, I'm not sure. It looks like he came up, you know, higher than the bag. Didn't really go after the goodie bag that he had been putting the lionfish in. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, the, the design of that goodie bag I really like with the open mouth and almost a like a fish trap in there, like a minnow trap. Yeah. Where it just kind of shoved the fish in and pull, pull back it. and it gets caught in there. That, yeah. That'd be great for dropping bottles in and not having them come out again. That's true. Yeah, I'd never even thought about that. Where's his die buddy at? He 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 didn't have a die buddy. You spoke on a stick at him. Yeah. No, I was just saying that's when you you nick your your dive buddy's leg, and then while he's distracting the shark oh. for you, you get in the boat. So all of those <laughs> of who have been emailing us this week saying you want to come up and dive with with uh, Mac and I, <laughs> we be don't prepared. Have sharks. We don't yeah, have just, sharks. We have saber tooth cuties. <laughs> Just, you know, Max, the kind of guy that doesn't have to run faster than the bear. He just has to run faster than you. Yeah. He's wily that way. Old and crafty. It's like the fox. Or he's that old and treacherous. I forget. <laughs> it works either way. Yeah. He's like the fox that uh, we had on the, the joke a few weeks back. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, one thing is, and then, so we've got a follow-up article to this one. And this is from that same diver, and he he posted it, and he's saying he didn't realize it was going to be anywhere near that popular of a video, and he's concerned that people are going to take the video the wrong way. He didn't post it to say that sharks were bad. He just thought it was an interesting experience and wanted to have it out there. He says, I want to make sure that people don't go out and try to harm these sharks now because of what the video has done. 
It's very regrettable that people would even consider that. Despite the encounter, Mr. Uh, Dimitri says he has no problems taking the six-year-old daughter scuba diving when she's old enough. She goes snorkeling with me all the time. She loves seeing turtles in the water. We go to spots quite a bit. And she loves all the wildlife, fish, and everything in the water. And I will absolutely teach my daughter to scuba dive. So I thought that was interesting that he had clarified that. Can I ask a question before we go any further? Sure. How come you skipped the one on bills to make diving and parasailing safer? Or did I miss that? No, I skipped it unintentionally. Uh, it must not have come up when I, I did it. We can go ahead and, and uh, jump to that one. I think that's a good one. I was just curious. Yeah. Which well, one? No, I, I was I was trying to save your uh, your blood pressure. <laughs> yeah, last week somebody said that we should run for office. Oh, man. So here, bonus material for those of you in the chat room. Bill is meant to make diving, parasailing safer, Have has industry support, parasailing and diving, two of Florida's most popular water sports, and the source of some of its <clears throat> most horrific accidents are meant to become safer under two bills proposed by lawmakers. Because we know that all lawmakers are great at making things safer. Although snorkels and divers have already required to display diver down flags in the water, a bill, SB 1176, Proposed by Senator Joe Abruzzo, Democrat from Wellington, would require that the flags to have the diver down symbol red with a white diagonal stripe, and it's on both sides of the flag. The bill also defines the minimum size of the flag and allows divers to display the divers down buoys instead of flags. A divers down buoy displays a red and white divers down symbol at least one square foot on all four sides. This is Florida, correct? Yeah. It's sort of funny that that came up about the flag size. Yeah. Uh, I was working on my book, and I happened to have a section there talking about dive flags. And I just, for grins and giggles, went and looked at some of the states, what they require, and huh. they ain't no similarity. For example, in divers in Indiana, per law, their flag is 12 by 12. Divers stay within 100 feet of the flag. Okay. Divers in Illinois, the flag is 12 by 15. Alpha flag is an alternative on the boat. Displays a flag so it's at least visible for 100 yards. The standard for that now is a minimum of one meter to two meters, meaning three to six foot. And if you look at all the stuff that we have had, even though the big ones, we don't even make the one meter one. In Ohio, people can't operate the vessel within 300 of the dive flag, and the dive flag is 12 by 12 square. In Florida, and theirs is really weird, it says this. I'm, I'm quoting this from their section. It must be square or rectangular. If rectangular, the length must not be less than the height or more than 25% longer than the height. The flag must have a wire to hold it, fully extended and unfurled. The flag must be red with a white diagonal stripe that begins at the top staff and extends to the diagonal or opposite corner. The width of the stripe must be 25% of the height of the flag. Oh, gosh. <laughs> the minimum size for the diver down displayed on a buoy or float is 12 by 12 and must be extended two meters above. So it's visible. Two to meters above? Yeah, the water line. Meaning six if feet. I've got my float. The flag's got to be six feet above the water. Yes. And actually, I'm making mine that way anyway because I did some surveys. And part of the reason the uh, boaters say they run over us is they didn't see us till they were too damn close. Yeah. Okay. Now, if you went to New Jersey, which some people I know have been, <laughs> their flag minimum, now they say minimum, not required size, is 14 by 16, has to be rigid, 
In Texas, diver down means a square or a rectangular, 15 by 15. Uh, it, it's so everywhere you go is different. So in the book, I say check your own locals, but you can What's always Michigan? go big and be safe. What's Michigan? The Michigan size, stand by, and I'll tell you in a second. Michigan is, and if, by the way, if you go to Wolf's and measure all the ones there, we're illegal, uh, 14 by 16 with a three-and-a-half-inch stripe. Some say a slash. Some say a white bar. Some give you that 25% of the height. Michigan says three-and-a-half-inch clear white from the mask to the lower right-hand corner. But 14 by 16. 14 by 16. Right. And then if you go to, let's see... And that's the standard because I was looking at the uh, Natural Resources Environmental Protection Act that tells us what we're going to be doing here. And that's the 1416, 3.5 inch. Vessel shall not be operated within 200 feet of a buoyed diver flag, and the diver has to come up within 100 feet of his flag. And that was Department of Natural Resources. The one I really didn't think about how to do it, but I do now, is at nighttime, you either need to illuminate it with a strobe also on it. Or use the red over white over red. So it's red on top, white, and red. On your boat, centered up, or on your, if you're doing a dive with a buoy, you can use Kim lights, which makes sense. That's pretty good. Yeah. Red, white, red. I'll remember yeah. that. Red, white, red. I, I like that. And that's for nighttime. And uh, let's see. And again, then if you do that, though, you need to look at the Coast Guard rules, and I put those down for vessels engaged in diving operations. But bottom line is, you got to be careful of where you dive, what the requirements for your state are. And the Canadian one, I like, and I'm going to make mine similar to theirs. You want to hear some of theirs? I want to hear the Coast Guard requirement, because I can make sure I do that in Michigan. Uh, that was the one I quoted earlier. The same as Michigan? The same as the DNR, yeah. 14 by 16, three and a half inch stripe. Okay. And you should, actually, you should be flying an alpha above that in Michigan, because it's in actually, the Great not Lakes. A, not above it. If you're on the Great Lakes, anything with a federal law, you need to be at the topmost part of your vessel with a alpha flag that is set. You know, like a, they're talking about like a metal one, so right. it doesn't unfurl. So it can be seen 360 degrees in any direction. A rigid flag. Yes, a rigid flag, and they want it at the topmost. They said to cover it, do both. They said most of them use the alpha on the boat, on the boat because... If the diver flag doesn't mean boaters have to adhere to it because it's not a nautical flag. The alpha flag means you can't, you're not on the way. Or unable you to maneuver. Headed, so they have, right, so they have yeah, to alpha, respond Alpha stands to for unable to maneuver. Right, so they want you to have that, and then you should be towing your buoy slash flag. Now, if you're in Canada, a dive boat must do the rigid representation of the alpha flag, like we talked, not less than one meter in height, so it can be seen 360 degrees, which means above the boat, which is normally the, the mast, the highest point. Now, they say it then, needs to be 360 degrees. That's just seen not a, 360 degrees. That's just not a flag. That has to be some sort of depth, doesn't it? Well, well it can't like, be obstructed. It, it's like at nighttime if you're diving and you didn't do anything else but put a white light on your boat. That's legal for your boat cause when, when you're parked fishing at night, correct? Yeah. But yeah, the 360 the is, is unobstructed. Over, over red, then they know you've got a diver in the water. And if you've got a diver in the water, he really should have slack so you know where he's at with the strobe and the other lights, meaning red over red, so you can also see where he's at. But they recommend on theirs the use of a red and white flag on a buoy, and then you have regulations on the buoy. And it says white with yellow reflective striping, a minimum of six inches across, 
and 12 inches above the water, bearing the letters PRIV. I don't know if that means private or what. On opposite size, yeah, large black doing. lettering, and displaying the owner's name and contact information prominently. It must be behind the red and white diver deck, which must be square, 20 by 20 each side. So it's like everybody is a little weird. So go large, take your alpha, and that's the best way to go. Yeah. It, it was interesting looking at the different areas. Yeah, because my flag, I think mine's higher than many, but it's not two, two meters high. Right. It's maybe one meter high. So I, what I need to do is I need to extend that, add an extension onto my mass there. I, I plan to make mine a little higher, and then I'm going to put reflector squares at some distances on it. So it might catch the light and, and dingle around a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then like we did up in Sheboygan a couple of years ago, we took um, CD disc, cut a slash in each side, put them together so you got a, a little ball thing. Radar reflector. Yes, but it catches the sunlight, too. So mm -hmm. we drilled a hole in the top of it right under the flag, had that on some uh, a little metal fishing line. That catches the light really, really good. I need to figure out and how to radar. rig up a, a light like that, the uh, red, white, red. Well, they, they take the staff, put little pilot holes through it at the distance. That way you can put a tie wrap through it, and then you tie in your chem lights. Yeah, you could do and chem on a, lights. And mm -hmm. on one meter, that would work on a three on a two-meter one. You'd have plenty of room, yeah. and that would be highly visible. Yeah. What, what I'm actually thinking of is, uh, is you can always go into these big box retailers and pick up those push-in-the-ground solar yard lights. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm thinking that you might be able to do something like that and just uh, tint the clear or translucent reflector so you end up, you know, so you have red top and bottom and then white in the middle. Yeah. You have to play around with that. Might or be my, get red my... cellophane and do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, you can get... Uh, take the cones. Mm -hmm. You know, like they do with the airplane, they direct them. Yeah. You can make those cones cheap. Yeah, yeah. We, we used to have them in the Sheriff's Department direct traffic. But it, it was interesting. That's why when I saw this other article, I thought, wow, I've been looking at stuff like that today. Yeah, yeah, good. It, it, it's good to be safe. You, you see all these stories where people are running over. I mean, you have some people who are obviously ignoring the law, but let's make it hard for them to fight against you. <laughs> be as visible as possible. Well, that that was their big item. If you're out there in waves, you got a big 60-foot powerboat or a 100-foot yacht coming at you at 25 knots, they probably don't see you. Yeah, well, and it depends. If they, if some people don't know how to drive a boat, and if they're not quite planed out, I know they're supposed to be looking, but that's no consolation when you're dead. So good point. What was the second part? It's parasailing was the other item? I didn't read that part yet. Yeah, well, I, uh, did they say anything about parasailing? Yeah, they really didn't talk about it, just saying that the new law. But listening to this, was this one of those laws that they passed that was already in place? Are they trying to convince us that they didn't have these laws? Let me see. I, they got a link to Okay, the I'm looking at here. It says the standards parasailing boat should be equipped with a VHF. All right, to me, that is, duh, you ought to have one anyway, and you're a business, a separate forecast device. Duh. Weather conditions must be reported. Parasailing would be prohibited in winds and gust of. That's a standard you get when you buy the, the parasail. Okay, so here's the bill, direct, pulling it right from the Florida House. Ah. SB 1176 Divers, and it's written by Abruzzo, 
requiring all divers to prominently display a diver's down flag or buoy in the area in which diving occurs, requiring vessel operators encountering diver down buoys to take special actions prohibiting a diver down buoy from being used or displayed on board a vessel. So they're saying that the divers must have the flag. It can't be on the vessel. That's why you would have the alpha flag. Okay. And they show the bill history. It started on uh, February 20th, uh, referred to the Environmental Preservation and Conservation Commerce Tourism Judiciary. That was on the 28th. And then on the 4th of March, it was introduced as SJ94. On the 17th, the Committee Agenda Environmental Preservation Conservation. Uh, they met on it. And then the favorable by environmental. So they basically said that the having the flag wouldn't destroy the environment. And now it's in commerce and tourism. And they have three statutes that are referenced by the bill, 327.331, 327.395, and 327.73. And this goes into the details what you're talking about. So 327.331 is describing the flag. It says the minimum size for diver down flag is 12 by 12. Minimum size for any diver down flag displayed from a vessel or structure is 20 inches by 24 inches. And they And like you said before, Mac... Uh, I'm wondering why. So this must have been what's in existence. So they must either be amending it or changing it. Yeah, I was trying to find that same bill, but mine's not kicking up what I want to look at. Yeah, let's see. And then uh, 327.395 is boater safety identification card section. And they talk about uh, having boats available for inspection, possession of a boat, uh, boater education courses are required. So what I'm guessing, the reason why this was referenced is they probably are going to add that in to the requirements for boater education. And 327.73 has to do with uh, identifications and penalties. And down there at the section 327.331, they're referring to diet. So it's just kind of like a master marking and referring to the flag on a dive boat. And they also have things, flags on airboats and adequate mufflers and other things in the same section. I'm not quite sure why there's a pro- I mean, I understand sort of this. You saw the ones here about part of the serious problem is people were tossing like flotation cushions in and then attaching their dive flag to it. I, I can see that if the flag is like flush with the water because then you don't have that minimum couple of feet to get it up in the air. So they're just trying to make it a little bit more visible? Or changing the law such that if they say the flag must be so many feet off the water line, I understand that, and that would preclude somebody putting a flat, you know, a cushion out there and putting a flag on top of it. Yeah. Now that's my, my dive flag. Yeah. Well, one thing that's got me kind of a little nervous if somebody got real picky is I've, I don't do it often, but I can pull a flag down. I don't have a problem with that if you're in deep enough water, because if the flag's underwater, you're yeah. usually 20 or 30 feet down, unless it's a big tanker oh, yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not pulling it down as I'm coming up. It's, you know, I'm down at 30 feet and I'm going down for some reason and I just didn't let enough line out. Because I, well, for example, when we were in the river and I, and I used a different dive flag that I normally did, we had a lot of current and that inner tube was like a big giant sea anchor going down with the river. Yeah. And that will wear you out, I tell you. I, I like my dive flag. I made that myself about four years ago, and I've got plans for it. I probably need to update that. One of my I, I like the inner tube with the crate for the same reason. One, I can't pull it down. Yeah. And if I go under, like, the ice and there's a small shelf, I can't pull that under there and get trapped, per se. Or, like, a couple of years ago when I was diving the banks, uh, 
and I was down there, and I realized I'm under some trees, and I could just follow my line back out because I could not pull the, the inner tube and crate through the mess up above, whereas I could, and if I had had a regular flag, that would have been underwater with me. Yeah. Well, there's and then when some... I turn around to go home, it's like, uh, which way is home? Yeah, some of those dive flags, you, you, they're way too, uh, what's not buoyant? I mean, they're buoyant enough just for the flag, and you can pull those down easy. Yeah. Uh, what I like about mine is that it doesn't have a lot of depth to it. So when we're grubbing in some of the shallow areas, yeah, it doesn't get hung up. I've, uh, I had tried a few dive flags before I built that one, and I'm, I'm still pretty happy with it. It probably needs a little bit of repair for this year, but I do have a new flag. <laughs> my my last year's uh, light pink and off-white flag, which probably wouldn't count. I think they'd look at you and go, yeah, right. So I've got a new one. Get that one out. So uh, yeah, a good discussion on that. I like that. So it's it's why would you why would you only want to have a boat cushion with a flag attached to it? That's that's to help people see you so you don't get run over. Or like say something is better than nothing. It would be, but do a little bit more preparation. You had to get your dive gear together. You can get a flag put up. Uh, okay, so let's talk about some potentially cool scuba gear. Yeah, I was just looking at that. That is really neat. I like this. Icolite housing. You have to say the one thing about the GoPros is that they have really driven competition into many companies. So you're starting to see some hardened cameras that are a little bit weather resistant, and they might not be doing it for scuba diving. But I like putting a camera into a housing that's got a little bit of water resistance. But this Canon, this is the Canon EOS 100D SL1. So it's a compact SLR camera. I think you can get the camera. Do they say here what those cameras go for? I'm going to say they're probably, I'd have to look. If somebody in the chat room wants to look on Amazon for me, uh, tell me. But they've got a housing. Ica Likes just announced that they're coming out with a housing for it. The housing is $1,100. Provides uh-huh. access to all the functions of the camera with the exception of the touchscreen. They can't use the touchscreen, but everything else. But it's a nice compact package. And the Canon camera actually has video. So to me, this is like the step up from a uh, GoPro, just in that it's a it's a traditional camera. It does full HD video and has a 100 to uh, 12,800 ISO range. Uh, also includes the uh, EFS 18 through 55 millimeter STM lens. Now, is that the Rebel 1? Yeah, it's EOS Rebel SL1 100D. So it's an 18 megapixel camera, does stills and full HD video. So I'd like to try this one out because, you know, I, I do like the GoPro and I think they've got their place, but I'm, I'm yeah, I've, I've been playing around with the years of wanting to do a video, something video related with a podcast and remind me after the show to talk about some stuff. I have some things I want to do irrespective of this, but this is pretty attractive. And I know professional underwater photographers are going to laugh and this isn't it, but you know, we can't all afford 10 grand in geared housing and lights. 500 bucks for the camera. 500 Thanks. Yeah, I found it for five hundred, and I don't know if that's with a lens or not. Yeah, that's the body. Yeah, so the body's five hundred, so you probably got another what two hundred, two hundred fifty in the lens. Possible. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty nice. That's a that's respectable. You know, for about the price of a middle of the line dry suit, you've got yourself a, a nice underwater camera and a, and a housing. And again, okay, Ica Lake's not a sponsor, and they should be. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in Indianapolis and you know those guys, tell them to sponsor the show. Always looking for sponsors. I'd be more than willing to do an exhaustive uh, 
check out on any kind of DPV out there that anybody wants to be tested? Like this? Yeah, the pro- that, that one's coming up. Yeah, the next one up. What that. a coincidence! <laughs> Hey, it's only twenty thousand six hundred and twenty dollars U.S. Well, that's what I'm at. Heck, and I'm I'm willing to take my time and pay for my efforts and give it a thorough testing. Yeah, yeah, we we would sacrifice a little time to go and give this a shot. You know what? I would give it a lot of time, Darren. I, mean, I, I know this is your podcast, Darren, <laughs> but if they gave me one, I would swear it's the best one, best. <laughs> submersible I have ever used. Well, I'm telling you now, guys, it is the best one. He's already sold out. He's pre-sold. Delaney recommends this. Yeah, the the Seabob F7. I mean, it has even has a cool name. Can dive to more than 130 feet, operate for an hour, and the craft speed is controlled by hand controls that flick through 10 gears. It's got gears. 10 speed. 10 speed. 10 speed. Uh, an hour. An hour. At 10 knots. Well, yeah, 10 knots on the surface, but basically 9 miles an hour, 8 knots below. I can handle that. You know what? Blow your mask off. 8 knots free. Eight knots will make your regulator free flow. That's why you had a windscreen up there. <laughs> That's what they need. Well, and, and you notice all the photos they show? None of those are scuba divers. Yeah. Well, they need us to test that out. That's I saw right. three here in this pictorial. I got the yellow one, and you guys can have the two red ones. Okay. And uh, I think we could give it a hell of a trial. Yep. I agree. I Personally, I'd like to have a yellow one because I just like their yellow is more highly visible. Yep. That's why I do that. Yep. In so, our besides, limited in my visibility. Old age, if, if I forget where I lay it, it's easier to find on the bottom. See, in the uh, Great Lakes, anything yellow is not natural. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so your dive buddies will know to pick it up after you're no longer able. When you lose it, yeah. <laughs> now, I just wonder if these guys free diving are taking that and going straight down like a rocket to get to 130 foot. Wow. Does it say if it's uh, slightly negative or positive? Oh, oh buoyancy in the water is 8 kilo. That's 16 pounds. Uh, that doesn't float That's negative. Well, does it? Is that negative buoyancy? The weight is 141 pounds. It has a 17-pound buoyancy. 17 buoyancy? Yeah, because yeah. eight kilograms, that's 16, so, about 18 so, pounds. Yeah, so they're, you must... They're saying it's positive. Yeah, it's positively buoyant. Oh. so well, And that would make sense because what they're yeah. they, if you're going to rent it, which I imagine what is a lot of their market here, is that they yeah. don't want they, they them to disappear. And but, at, uh, at 13 knots surface speed or 13 miles an hour surface speed, you know, you could drug along at 13 miles an hour. Kilo, kilos, or doesn't go that fast. I, Kilometers. Yeah, well, I, that's what they're saying in the, the detail. Oh, I'm just like I said, it's nine miles an hour max, which is 15 kilometers an hour. Yeah, yeah well, but it's, it's, it's on the surface is 13. Well, but yeah, underwater is nine. Yeah, up to 13. But when yeah. you get our, our fat bodies in there, maybe that pulls them down. <laughs> well, you better have a tight-fitting bathing suit. Yeah. Or dry suit or wetsuit. Wetsuit, yeah. The, the nice part I like, ain't got no prop to kick you in the face. No, yeah, just it, the, just the, the jet. And question is where the jets come out at. But well, I think I know where it's going to come out that, at. Yeah, you put a leash you can put between. You know, you've you've used yeah. the Farlon that's got the jockey rope that comes down with a bar, so you can yeah. sit on it. Yeah, that's what you want for this baby. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Now that says it's at that speed of an hour. Can you get longer if you're not going that quick? You would think so. We'll have to test it and find out. Yeah, they're going to have to let us know. So the colors are red, orange, yellow, blue, silver, white, titanium, and chrome. 
Mac, okay, do you know I'm how gonna... far out you could go at Sheboygan with a 30-minute straight out? Oh, man. You, we could go across from the one wreck all the way across the bay to the, to the junk wreck that we dig. We could go out of Sheboygan and end up on the island. Yeah, you could, couldn't you? Or I could do some uh, shore dives on some wrecks that we can't swim to. Yeah. Heck, we could get to see them still, the Barnum, the Clay. Yeah. Oh. Okay, now, if you really want the yellow one, you can have it, but I want the chrome one. Go right Are ahead. you going to write these people and tell them we're going to give it a, a, a real test in diehard water up here in Michigan? Yeah, what, what we should we need to do is say, we don't think it would work in the Great Lakes. We don't think it's been certified for fresh water. And we'd be more than willing to give them a hell of a write-up. I mean, a real good write-up. Yeah, the, and the, test. the basic model is 12,500 pounds or $20,700. 700 what? newtons of thrust. What can I say? Yeah, it is the uh, brainchild of Kago, uh, based in Stuttgart, Germany. That explains it. German engineering, man. German design, German engineering. Ooh. Stuttgart. Yeah. I think yeah, I think we should write them and at least give them a good laugh. Yeah, they, like they tell go, them we would do it. You and your three listeners. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had more than that when we started. Yeah, hey, Roger's got a good point. Could cruise up river. Well, how about this next one? Who's not a sponsor and should be? Uh, I, I was, I've been chatting with them on Twitter this week. They've got the the product is just about ready to come out, and the website is a q w a r y. Uh, they're from I think they're from Sweden, but this is a replacement for your console. If you so if you've got your your octopus and then you've got a console just measuring your pressure, you you take that pressure gauge off and you put this console on. It doesn't appear to be a replacement for the computer, but it does measure your air pressure, your time. It, it's kind of like a a depth logger. But it will share your air supply and location with up to 70 dive buddies. That 770 dive buddies are going to be able to share and see your air. And I'm thinking, if you're a tour operator, this is nice. And looking at the display, it not only shows you their air, it shows you their depth. It shows you their name, which I guess is just to associate it. But then also how far away they are from you and which direction. Include some of the things you'd expect, such as uh, uh, water temperature. And I asked them, and they are coming out with a a boat unit uh, in the second half of the year that will be able to do a recall of divers. Now, that makes it something you could request a grant for as a safety device for dive operations. And, okay, that that makes it very interesting. Rescue groups. Oh, yeah. Recall, you know, you think of all the people who would want to monitor. Well, yeah, because you're up in the boat, and on the boat, you're going to be able to do it. They One yeah. of their use cases, they have a little video, which we won't play, but if you, you go to the website, I you can watch the video. And that's one of the things that they talk about is you could have a safety diver, and he can go and monitor, and he sees somebody's air get to a certain depth uh, range. He mm-hmm. drops in and then goes to him. And, well, and imagine right. this even for tech diver. I mean, yeah. Uh, now, you know, there's some other considerations you have with tech diving because it doesn't look, it's not, you're, this is actually connecting into the air supply so you you don't have visibility to their other tanks. But I guess you could. I mean, instead of having two or three different divers, you could have Jim's back gas, Jim's deco gas, Jim's hang yeah. gas. Yeah. And so I could be watching that and I'm on the boat 
and then I could all of a sudden, if I, if you had a free flow, I could probably in real time watch your your gauge go down. It's it looks like it's working on uh, like a subaquatic modem. So this is out of uh, yeah, I think I think they're out of Sweden. How much is that, by the way? It was five hundred and some five hundred ninety nine pounds per console, excluding shipping, and that's an introductory offer. I don't know. I, I just saw this weird note flash up on my screen. Said, "And watch Jim Parrish at two hundred and fifty. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if they know where you are, that's a recovery of the gear, right? That's what that's about. Yeah. Well, I, we weren't saying that. I like yeah. the other one. Maybe tours would not leave divers behind. Duh. Mm-hmm. That would be a good thing, especially in shark infested waters. Well, that would be the thing. Is you know, maybe I'll have to to message them. Is the one on the dive boat? Is it should be if a diver disappears, you know, like if it loses signal, that should be an audible alarm saying, "Hey, you know, they've either drifted out outside of range or something's happened." But yeah, I, I like this idea, and it because about the most I've seen, I've seen other units that have tried to do similar things, but it's just been three or three or four. I like the recall part. Yeah, well, that, then I what? asked him that specifically because we've talked about that. Of you know, how do you in a situation recall? We got bad weather. I mean, you're banging on the side of the boat or revving the engine, and now you have a way of of getting that out. So, it, you know, I'd I'd like it to be a little less expensive. But you, what, what's an EPIRP run? You know, like that personal EPIRP unit. I mean, that's about that price range, isn't it? Yeah, matter of fact, because uh, I think they had them on sale two hundred at uh, Our World Underwater. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it's it starts to become some of the safety gear, and to me, if I had the option of this when I'm buying my regulator, uh, it, it just, the only thing it's missing is if I don't know what it would take for that to also be your dive computer. Because if you make that your dive computer, then you've got something. You'd have to have the tables. Oh, here, here's something. And now, now this is crazy talk. How about if you had a gas analyzer mixed in with it? Now what's yeah, but again, <laughs> for the majority of the work we do, especially in the rivers, we don't. A lot of that we don't need. No, no, we don't. That's, to me, you're you're talking strictly out there doing wreck diving or doing diving that is deeper than sixty feet. What do you think? Yeah, I, yeah. But for those dives, especially if you're charter, that would be really nice to have. But it could sure scare the hell out of you when you saw somebody's air going out and you're on the surface and can't do much. Well, you, you could if you had a dive, because this is just not you. It's everybody seeing everybody's air. Well, that's that's the nice part if they pay yeah. attention to what they're doing. Yeah, if you had a dive master down there, and it's also pointing in the direction of the person with the with the less air, and then the depth, because right. that's the other part of it. I, I don't think I've seen another unit that's been communicating depth. I mean, there may be. I just wasn't aware of it. Yeah, messaging system. There's no reason why they couldn't have that, where not only would it be a recall unit, where it did a diver recall, but maybe you could have messages either pre-configured or they could type them into a console and that would send them down. Pizza's here. Yeah, look at the shark behind you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we've uh, only got we've only got room for five, for the first five divers back. Yeah, that would be a good one too. <laughs> you can wait for the second boat. Yeah. By the way, the storm's coming along faster than we anticipated. Yeah. Not a bad, not a bad one. Yeah. Interesting. I, I, I'm glad to see it. It's, uh, and I would love to try one out. Another one. Like they said, they should be a sponsor. You have to give me a list of all these people that I need to send letters to. I'll send them copies of the uh, program and say, you should be a sponsor. Well, not see only how nice that. that. we talk about you? Yeah, you should Darren's, be a sponsor. With Darren's knowledge, support, and the people who know him, and you as the head of the preserve, El Presidente, you know, you, you're starting to get some horsepower here. Yeah, yeah, we're we're probably up to uh, 
the power of two jackasses. <laughs> D- double-barreled. I was going to say donkeys, not jackasses. <laughs> we have to graduate. Donkeys are smaller, too, right? They don't have the horsepower? Yeah, the that's donkey true. Power. A little bit more stubborn as well. I don't know. When are you going to start going out to write grants for the uh, preserve? Uh, we're not far from it. Because yeah, that's, that's where you're going to wind up if you're going to get any support to do something. It's going to be a, a grant, hopefully not a matching one either. Yeah. Okay, well, I think we've put that to bed. Killed the news, showed the videos, talked about the potentially cool scuba gear. Drooled we, all over it. Yep. And it has been getting warmer. We sure, I, I'm not ready to call it, I mean, we, we, on the calendar it's spring. And it is warmer, but it is not necessarily spring-like weather. But we are almost all gone with snow. Another day with temperatures like we had today. And other than in the the banks at the big box retailers and underneath a few of the trees. There's well, some... I've, I've got a couple of feet of snow in my yard still. You have I a couple still got feet? Six inch, I got yes. six inches in the backyard, solid. It's It's frozen solid. Well, see, it might frozen, but the wind, I mean, I've had the wind and the sun, so it's really gone down. Uh, alongside yeah. the driveway where I, you know, I've plowed, that's going to be there for a little bit, which unfortunately is, is melting into the driveway and turning that into a mud bog. Uh, visibility is about what we would expect in the river, though. Yeah, yeah my driveway. Six, yeah, six inches. Now, my front yard is almost clear, except for the piles, but the backyard where it's a little more open and I not as much protected by trees. It seems strange, but I think the trees have protected, kept the snow from coming down. Yeah. But in the backyard where it's more open, I've still got a good six inches of snow. Of course, the front yard had a couple shallow spots or thin spots, and I think that may have had a lot to do with it clearing. If I go out and dig a hole in the backyard, move some snow, it'll probably start clearing off a lot faster because it's all white in the backyard, but the front had some green, absorbed the heat more. So it is time we're ready and speaking of ready as we indicate at the beginning of the show you got wet today i got wet today first time since january and it's been killing me i've been trying to dive but we haven't been able to get enough people together to do a good ice dive so, so, so you... i was waiting for the rivers to clear but i got a call today to go up to the maritime museum uh, one of the boats, it's a privately owned boat, but they park it at the Maritime Museum. It's a an old tug, and it went down, oh, maybe a month ago. Um, just sank at the dock. 8 o'clock in the morning, it was floating. 1 o'clock in the afternoon, it was under. And so they just let it sit there. Uh, they put some basically let the ice freeze back over top of it to preserve it and then when the ice melted off they put some buoys on it to see if it was not buoys but booms around it floating booms to collect any oil that might be leaking out of it it's uh runs on diesel and i got a call today that they were trying to work on it and uh trying to float it again today and the pumps were not able to make any progress they had lifted it up partially out of the water and were trying to use pumps to bring it on up the rest of the way. And water was coming in as fast as they were pumping it out. So I went up, took a look to see if maybe there was a, a hatch that had been opened underwater or, you know, something had floated off and left an opening to the end of the, the hull. And 
did not find anything above the waterline. So they were pumping at one point 1,250 gallons a minute out of the hull, uh, out of the engine room, and through the stack. They cut the stack off so they could get down inside it with the hoses. And they were pumping 1,250 gallons a minute out the stack and not making any progress on the water level. So they're going to try it again tomorrow. But uh, was the first person to dive the wreck of the William Bomb and got a uh, river dive in with ice flows passing by me on the Black River today with a whole six inches of visibility. Six inches? Six inches, yep. Yeah, if I spread my hand... If I spread my hand out, my fingers out, and put it up against my mask, I could barely see my little finger wiggling. <laughs> now, was was there much hazards so inside the boat? That's about six inches. As you were moving around in it? Uh, there were a couple of lines that were running horizontally on the boat. I cut those to get them out of my way. It um, wasn't too bad until I got in a couple areas where they had uh, wire, electric wire running down where they had some bubblers over the sides, and the wire was still there. But um, there were a lot of things to get hung up on as far as cleat, right. uh, etc. cetera, but uh, n- nothing nothing overhead, you know, when it was searched that I had to worry about. So it was good. I just felt my way around and took my time and, you know, oriented myself and kept a hand on a cleat or, you know, something to, to keep the orientation and uh, didn't have too much problem other than, you know, it was a zero-vis dive. It was a braille dive, so. So tomorrow, back at it then. Yeah, they're going to try uh, lifting again tomorrow, bring some different pumps. Uh, they, they were able to lift the bow and get the bow up out of the mud today, so they set that back down. Tomorrow they're going to try to lift the stern, break it free from the mud, and see if, as they lift the stern, if, you know, they can find anything they need to put a patch on. So I don't know if I'll get back in the water tomorrow, but I'll have my dive gear and be available if they need me. Very cool. How was the current in the river? Was there a lot of current? Nothing I could notice. Yeah, Didn't really notice it too much. It's kind of so. protected where that is. Yeah, because the LCJ, the tug is right beside it, and there's maybe 30, 40 feet of open water between the two. But um, usually the way the current runs, that's... Current's more on the other side of the river because of the bend of the river. We're on the inside of a bend. So sometimes there's more of a back current than a running current. No, got wet. Yeah, that's what, that's what counts. Did you notice whether or not the dry suit had shrunk or anything like that? Uh, yes. The, the zipper in the middle was, you know, for some reason, a little tighter when I was trying to get it around the, the middle. Well, that's what it is, lack of water. Uh, it's, a, it's something we all know about. Yeah. One of those items that's hard to explain, how that yep. damn thing shrinks when you yeah, and keep it Yeah, and it always seems off. to be, you know, right around the belt or just above the belt areas where it seems to be shrinking the most. I don't know why, but... Manufacturing defects. Yeah. Well, that's a, a, a trim trim suit, and I'm not a trim guy. <clears throat> so. Well, I don't know, John. You're, you're sort of streamlined. Streamlined, kind of like a whale, bullet or cannonball shaped. <laughs> yeah, it has a lot of uses in certain sports. Yeah, sumo wrestling. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay, maybe I didn't think of that one, but yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I it was one of those where I know the water was going to be cold, so 
first thing I put on was my uh, thermals, the the wicking underwear, and then I put a three mil wetsuit on, one piece three mil wetsuit, and then I got into my neoprene dry suit. Now, I was toasty warm, uh, but the dry suit did leak a little bit. Almost dry. Um, I I couldn't really tell until I got out and then saw some you know wet spots on the inside of the dry suit, and when I peeled out of the the uh, thermal layer, it was wet and my underwear was wet. But uh, just from that, may, that may have been from perspiration. Yeah, little little exertion. The suit sealed up pretty well. I, you don't have a DUI suit, do you? Yeah, it was, I, when I got out, I was tired. Yeah, that's not. Dry is that until a DUI immersed. suit? Dry until immersed? Yes, I was curious. Yeah, well, that that's what it is. Yeah, it's my semi-dry, neoprene semi-dry suit. <laughs> and if then I had bought it last year, I'd, uh, I'd be buying a new one, but I just bought that one last year. So unless one of our new sponsors wants us to try out a whites or somebody else's yeah. you know, suit, we'll, uh, we'll probably continue to, to dump. I have my Harvey's semi-dry. You're talking about writing letters. I mean, I I think I you should write a letter on my on my trading in a wetsuit for a dry suit. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I mean they could they could have it in the lobby and say somebody actually put this on and got in the water with it in the winter. In the winter. Yeah. In Michigan. In Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, we'll have to get photos of you in the ice, Darren, with your your semi wetsuit. Mm-hmm. Well, did you get talking about doing that? Did you guys see the picture? Or should I say your your? I'm sorry, Mac, but for Darren, it's more of a wet semi suit. Yeah. <laughs> but you saw the the picture today where the three people are on the iceberg, the two ladies and the guy. Yeah, I saw that's, that. That's awesome. I just wonder how the hell they got up there, and I'd have been freezing my tutus off. Where were they? They at? looked very comfortable, and I didn't. They, they were didn't. Uh, sunbathing on a floating ice piece of ice. Oh, yeah, about six inches. Seven-inch thick iceberg. Yeah, good shot though. Yeah, it was really neat. Laying there in the sun, floating on, you know, like they were laying on the beach, except they were laying on the iceberg. Except I think I would have used a lot the, the uh, chair, like they suggested, the recliner yeah. thing. That would have got my butt off the off the ice a little bit. That's a cool picture, anyway. I really like that one. Now, did you get up in the plane this week, Mac? Well, yeah, I took those pictures of the uh, piers. Did you see that one? Went ahead and went down to. Uh, Michigan City and got the breakwaters uh-huh. and the pier shot. And then I went up to New Buffalo and got that one, worked it way up to ours, St. Joe, and then went up to South Haven again. And you'll notice the only open water was ours uh, by the bridge or by the end, mm-hmm. by the tunnels, uh, tunnels, uh, by the pier heads. But you Between also noticed heads. we had a heck of a brown current going out. Sure did. And that's why you got zero vis and all the runoff. And you've got some open water in South Haven, but it goes right into the ice. And that's, again, why you've got zero vis. That's probably also why there really wasn't much current in the river. The river was up, and there really wasn't much current in it because it's all being blocked by the ice. Yep. Once that ice starts to break up, it will... That ice opens up, and that river's going to drop a few inches. I think I took about a couple weeks ago, and what did you see for the first time when we went past the nuclear plants? Oh, yeah. I saw the water intakes of the nuclear plants on the bottom and how deep are they from the air you could just make them out as clear as could be how deep takes me yeah mac how deep are those intakes guys still there yeah i'm still here i think we've lost mac i was trying to ask you may have okay 
Yeah, it's it's he's, he's got bubbles on his. Well, well, he, well, until we get him to connect back up. Uh, we also had uh, Dive Shop had their opening weekend, not opening weekend, their uh, open house. Open house. Yeah. Yeah, Wolf's had their open house, the, yep. the marina and the dive shop. Yep, they had a lot of people there turned out for it. They had uh, stocked up on some gear looking at the, at our local dive shop there, and it was kind of nice to see uh, some selection come in. So I've, I've got some, some things to take a take a peek at or add to my wish list. You back, Mac? His icon's back when he's still not hearing us. Oh. You there? Who's not hearing us? I'm there. Okay. Yeah, we, we, we didn't hear Everybody you. Everybody else, come back. <laughs> yeah. We, we were asking you, uh, uh, how deep are those intakes? Uh, over the top of the intakes, there's probably only about 16 for the water, uh, but they were very clear. Uh, I didn't really fly directly over them because that would be invading the uh, no-fly zone there. I thought that was probably not a good idea since they have 50 cows up there on the turrets anymore. Yeah. They get excited when people do that. Can you? Can you? So, so as the plane starts coming in, they they get up there and they. It's like in the movies where they get the the barrels or start to spin as they get you in the sights. Well, of course, I, I can't speak for what they do or don't do, but I'm not really going to chance it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's those guys on the roof with the Stinger missiles. I'm more concerned with. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure if we had gotten too close, someone would have been waiting for you at the airport. Yeah, yeah, and I'll say, he made me do it. That's my excuse. I'll just change my uh, transponder code that I was hijacked, and I'll be, I'll be good. <laughs> head, I mean, head, start heading to Malaysia. Me. Yeah. But that or I just head out to sea, and then we have another lost airplane. Well, Mac, did you know, see anything at the open house this last weekend that you can't do without? I would, as always, love to have a... Uh, yeah. Bob, any we we had the mud club picnic table there for a while, and uh, Bob was talking about the new chair and the new structure he's going to put on his boat. About yeah, I'm, that. Look, I'm looking forward to that. He's he's all excited about getting it. He's going to have that stand up center console and move it off to the side. He thinks he's going to gain a little bit of room. I, it's going to be interesting where he gained it. I'm, I'm anxious, but it'll it'll carry four people with no trouble and. I am booked for for, for end of September, well end of August and for that whole week up north and then the weekend for Sheboygan. So I'm looking forward to it. They already got the rooms uh, reserved. Wow, way yeah. in advance. Yeah. Now I need to I need to call reserve my room. That's a good a good point, man. Did, did you reserve one already? No, I'm gonna look that up and because I, I want to do all of it like last year. I want to hit the Cedarville again. And I'd like to, I want to go to the, the cut now, the front and half, do a little bit of the penetration in there. And then I want to go to the aft, and the props are gone. I don't remember what the rudder is. Did you guys hit the rudder last time? I don't recall. Anybody? No, I, uh, Jim said he didn't remember doing it. I don't know. We spent time in the I think I uh, lost you guys hold. again. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I'm just Skype looking for break, Skype is breaking Skype down. They lost us all together in the chat room. Oh, okay. So they lost us all together in the chat room? Yeah, it's coming and going. Yeah, that's what they said. Well, it is almost 11. We've already bored the hell out of them for almost two hours. Yeah, we've done that. Um, <laughs> Does that mean it's that time? It's getting close. We've got to do the plugs. So yep. you can always follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash scuba obsessed. You can, and we really like you to do this, go to the scuba obsessed website, www.scubaobsessed.com. We also have the dive videos. 
dot scuba the, the best dive videos dot scubaobsessed.com or go to the scuba obsessed website and click on over i'm going to post a few of those we talked about this week up there so you can see those uh, let's see google plus and and i'm going to try and find another way of updating this chat room this chat room is a little flaky appreciate everybody who hung with us roger uh sam jared i'm forgetting somebody mark uh, Roger and Rodney. Roger, Rodney. So great turnout in the chat room. Thank you, everybody, for coming and listening. Uh, you got anything to plug, Jim? Not tonight. Uh, how about you, Mac? Oh, nothing diving-related. I did see uh, an old muddy there tonight at the uh, Bend of the River Conservation Club. That's where I was at and almost late. Uh-huh. And uh, invited him back to the fold. And uh, we might have Mr. Rickerman. Rejoin us during the summer. He's been doing a little bit in, in the Caribbean. Nothing up north where it's cold. So maybe we can trade them off. And for those who might be interested, even though it's not diving again, uh, IDPA is the fifth for those who want to participate in that. Jim. <laughs> yeah. And Darren, we need to get you in this too. Get me in what? IDPA. Yeah. International Defensive Pistol Association. Yeah, I, I used to do that. I, uh, Jim Kleeman and I used to go all the time. That's what I'm saying. We get you guys back in this. We bad mothers out there. I'm having a hard time finding ammunition. Well, that's why most everybody now is into reloading again. <laughs> yeah, I've got plenty of brass. If somebody wants to reload, I know they can't technically do that, but the brass could find their way to their place, and then they could happen to leave it back at my place with lead in it. Well, as soon as it gets a little bit more dry down below, and uh, Jim, you know where I'm talking about down there in mm-hmm. the shooting ranges. Uh, we're we're going to have a little party down there, so I, I would suggest you join us one time. We've got a chronographer, chronograph, so we've been doing a little reloading, so we're actually going to be able to check your loads, so if you're interested. Yeah. Seems like almost all the guys now either motorcycles and jumping and diving and shooting and hell-raising as we get older, or more hell-raising. Well, we did. So that's the only thing I had, and uh, I am looking forward to, I should have, be over my acute bronchitis and all that crap, but I wouldn't mind diving Tuesday, April 1st. That's Tuesday, my wife's 1st. birthday. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, and my option date's going to be the 6th. That's a Sunday. Because uh, I think what? Mr. Meester might be available then, too, because it's his day off. I might be able to get out midday Tuesday. We'll have to wait and see. Well, we can play that one by ear, but for sure I'm, I'm really going to take a look at the 6th and try to get a dive in there. Okay. The April Fool is sort of appropriate for me, but what the hell. All right. Well, I think we're to that time of the show, and I hate to say this, but I'm almost afraid that I may have told this joke. So we'll we'll give it a try, and you can tell me if I I did it or not. My my memory is that bad. So you ready? Right on. Ready. Okay. A husband and wife went in for counseling after 35 years of marriage. When asked what the problem was, the wife went into this passionate and painful tirade listing every problem they had ever had in 35 years that they had been married. She went on and on about neglect, lack of intimacy, emptiness, loneliness, feeling unloved, unlovable, the entire laundry list of unmet needs that she endured over the course of their marriage. Finally, after allowing this to go on for a sufficient length of time, the therapist got up, walked around his desk, and after asking the wife to stand, he embraced and kissed her on the lips passionately. The woman shut up and quietly sat down, looking in a daze. The therapist turned to the husband and said, this is what your wife needs at least once a day, every day of the week. Can you do this? The husband thought for a moment and replied, Well, I can drop her off here Monday through Thursday, but Fridays, that's when I go scuba diving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
I don't think I've heard that one before, but it's, it's a boor. <laughs> so it qualified. Yeah, I, I, was, I was worried. I, I guess that one was in the list way up the top, so it had been aging. And I, I think we got just to that proper amount. Marinating rapidly there. Yep. Yep. It was uh, one week short of going from aging to rotten. <laughs> <laughs> Just caught it or in may, time. Maybe one week long of going from aging <laughs> to rot. Yeah, it may, maybe it needed to be last week's. So on that note, go out there and get wet. And stay safe. And remember the two jackasses. different than Curly, Moe, and Larry, if you remember the dive club meeting the other night. Yeah, I remember the dive club meeting, but... You Darren, know, we were, also... you there for, were you there for that one? Larry, Moe, and Curly? Yeah. No, I must not have been. I, I came late. Recording has been completed.